Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Uh, welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Comic Bureau Field Report. The Comic Bureau Field Report is, of course, a member of the Believe podcast family. Hence, you might see in the podcast platform listing, Believe in the Comic Bureau Field Report. That is not the actual name podcast is just the comedy bureau field report believe b-l-e-a-v is the network i think it's supposed to be believe but they wanted to be hit um that's my conclusion anyways enough of that uh another great wonderful guest um one of my favorite comedians today uh certainly has been uh very industrious and successful in the lockdown as far as doing comedy is concerned i give it up for Cameron morales everybody Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Oh, You're round here. of applause from everyone in the live audience. I appreciate it. Thank You're you very, so very welcome. Me. It's just, it's a knee-jerk reaction that I don't, I, I'm uh, aware of that I'm not going to get rid of because I need mm-hmm. some semblance of what <laughs> like. Yes, there's just you and me, but I do like the clapping and the everyone and uh, yeah, I need it. Oh, don't get me wrong. I'm taking every single clap I can get right now. <laughs> I'm Jones. I'm Jones. Jones. What do you feel? I just went into one of those driving shows at the Magic Castle and they gave people these like party favor clapping hands. So it was like clacking noise, like like two plastic hands clapping like this. It sounded like castanets. Yeah. What do you think of that? What do you Oh, you, yep. <laughs> you'll take that no i i don't I think I, I think I think i heard burke and i think i heard burke compared to it sounded like locusts like i don't want to perform <laughs> i already feel like i'm in the plague i don't want it to feel even more like the plague you right. know uh, right or even the people honking and flashing their lights that's another one too mm-hmm. uh, i don't uh, oh man like the the fact that that exists and people were shitting on doing comedy in a vacuum or online is just insane to me i was like how is that better how is that better yeah it's it's almost as as if you're put in like like an interrogation situation or a gladiatorial situation you have flashing lights you have honks you have all these noises that are very inhuman not the laughter that you depend on and um Mm -mm. not only can you not see people's faces it's just cars you know yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I don't want to perform for Honda Civics or even a fucking BMW. I don't give a shit what you're driving, but that's not why I got into this. <laughs> it's what we have for the moment. I mean, uh, it's it still was like, it was still, you know, I got to see people on the stage. That was actually different from the last drive-in show I went to, because the last one I went to was at the Rose Bowl, and it was so big that I was watching Daniel Yeah, it was Webb. like a stadium. Right? Yeah, it was like yeah. a huge field. Yeah. So I, that was the first time I watched stand up on like a jumbotron. That was weird. Like I was mm-hmm. there, but I saw like a, a stick of a person, and then there's the jumbotron. Yeah. <laughs> I had to watch that, but I know it was happening in real time, which is strange. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it. That's also that was also a funny show to me because it was like finally comedians who aren't filling out stadiums got to feel what it was like to perform in a stadium do you yeah, know like yeah. that's like <laughs> it's like this is what is to come by the way when you get to stadium level like when you're doing mm-hmm. like the rogan level arenas and shit it's yeah. not as fun as the clubs just so no. you know <laughs> no no it's not i remember Gaffigan i remember played for uh, like he 
open technically for the Pope when the Pope visited like Philadelphia. <laughs> he would, dude. <laughs> yeah, he would. He would. He's so fucking Catholic too. Like, <laughs> yeah. But it was like, it of was course like, he did. Yeah, it's some ridiculous crowd, like one hundred forty thousand or something like that. Like just, mm-hmm. and, and I think he talked about it later. He's like, yeah, you know, you there's no response to Gage. You just like do your material and then leave. Like there's. Yeah. <laughs> what if, it's just noise. Even if everybody's quiet, that's deafening. That there's that many people. <laughs> yeah, dude. If you couldn't make anyone out of a hundred and forty thousand people laugh, there's no way a gunshot's not going off shortly after that set. There's no <laughs> way. There's no way. no way. That bomb is going kaboom immediately after, because that um, is brutal. That would be so. Yeah. <laughs> I know that like there's a lot of comeback stories, but if you bomb in front of 140,000 people, just don't, don't come back. Don't, don't try. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. That's gotta know. be your retirement speech. <laughs> yes. yes. And unfortunately, whether you like it or not, it will be caught on video. Uh, probably not by anyone you like. No, but by a hundred and four, about a hundred thousand people got it on video. <laughs> yes. And the other 40,000 are doing dubbed videos of those videos, making fun of you on TikTok. So, yep. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I got, uh, <laughs> I haven't delved too much into TikTok, but it is crazy that there are the videos and then you can record a video that's your response to to the video or are you watching the video and that's its own video yeah um, yeah and trump wants to get rid of that it's bizarre too. like how much people care about your reaction to things now like mm-hmm. that's that's even like even if you just sit there going hmm hmm like i've seen where people are just like just intro like introspectively watching something and there's no payoff and i was like right. why 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 i my <laughs> you know my theory on that is i, I Maybe I'm just speaking for me, but have you ever like watched a movie or a TV show with people and you like look around for their reaction at sometimes? Sure. Like a, a comedy. I feel like this is a like a generational bump for that. So they're like, oh, I want. I not only do I want to see what my friends think, I want to watch a whole video of them watching. What yeah. I watch. Or yeah, when somebody like whenever you bring somebody to see a comic and you really want them to like it, so you just watch for them to yeah. to enjoy it as much as you want them to. Yeah. I get that. Like I get reaction videos, but a lot of times there's just no fucking reaction. Like no. when Two Girls One Cup came out and there were reaction videos to that, you wanted to see those reactions because right. it was so outrageous. Some like the people who didn't react, you were worried about. You're like, right. what? You got nothing on your face after watching that? You mm-hmm. psycho. But, like, if if I'm just watching a kid do a goofy dance, like, and there's no interesting reaction either, so it's like, now I'm watching two useless things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> That's how low the bar is for entertainment now? I, there's no excuse why I shouldn't be more famous. <laughs> no, no. Other than that everybody is online and everybody technically, in theory, could have a platform, so the uh, market is just oversaturated. But you deserve to be famous, Carmen. I, that is my stance. Oh, um, thank you. You're so, so funny. Sweet. Um, you're very welcome. Uh, how is quarantine going for you? Where, where are you uh, quarantined at, locked down at? Um, how are things going? I am currently quarantined in Los Angeles, California. And um, in one of the burbs, I'm in uh, Pasadena. And uh, I've been all right. I'm quarantined by myself. I live in a little uh, pool house. Like, oh, it's like cool. a studio. Right. And um, on somebody else's property. 
the, you know, I won the common, LA common com comedian <laughs> living stitch, by the way. Yeah. yeah, I'm living off of the success of another person currently. Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> and it, it's not bad. I actually, I, I think I'm handling it pretty well. Um, like, like I was, I was talking to you earlier. I like in comparison to me watching people devolve online. Like, I think I'm doing pretty good. Like, I haven't right. shaved my head. I'm not like, you know what I mean. I'm not like trying to do. I don't even know like keto and intermittent fasting and learning MMA all at the same time. Like, I'm right. not doing any of that. I'm right. not. A, there's not a huge transfer. Like, I'm not. I don't hate myself. Was what I've learned during this. <laughs> you know that is. I don't like truly... me a lot of times, but I don't yeah. hate me. So right. much that I'm going to have to try to, like, that keto ain't going to fix it. Let's work on what's really bothering you. Right. That And that, you know, though it may sound simple, that is very profound. And you're honestly lucky to be at that point because <laughs> a lot of people are having a reckoning. Even people that, you know, probably had self-affirmations in the mirror every morning. Sure. Are realizing, um, yeah, that wasn't what was going on. That wasn't, that's yeah. not enough. <laughs> Maybe I really don't love myself. I was just saying it and I'm not really exuding and practicing it. Right. Well, that's the thing. Like, I get the whole idea of faking it till you make it. Sure. But you have to do the part where you got to, you have to commit to it or that, that stupid post-it that tells you to love yourself is just a way, it's just annoying and it's just right. going to fade because you got, when you're brushing your teeth, you got a little toothpaste uh, schmutz on it and it's just going to be, uh, it's just going to end up looking gross. So like, the, the practicing is the part that's hard right. and, you know, some people do it through meditation, some people, I do it through yelling at myself and psychedelics. So those are the two things. All I right, paint, paint a further picture of that. Yelling and psychedelics. Are you uh, going outside your pool house and uh, yelling at the pool? Or are you like looking at your reflection in the pool? This is what I'm imagining now. I don't really do them. I normally I don't I normally go to nature if I'm going to do psychedelics, unless okay. it's like a um, if it's if I have like a crux in my life, like if something really uh, a traumatic or not necessarily even traumatic, but just a big shift, like. If I just got out of a long relationship or I have a big decision to make or um, I don't know what's like, uh, I don't know what to do or like, you know, if I'm feeling lost, mm -hmm. um, I'll probably take a pretty hefty dose mm -hmm. of like mushrooms and then I kind of lock myself in a small space and I just kind of work shit out in my head and we kind of, we do a little self-therapy session like you f I face one faces oneself mm -hmm. and asks oneself honestly to be honest with thyself sure. and uh so like and I those big uh every single time that I remember doing that it's helped and mm -hmm. I end up coming out with like at least a decision and oh being okay with committing to that decision nice but what wouldn't it be easier as you were telling me earlier to just dye your facial hair magenta <laughs> right but that is just the pink post-it that says love yourself you're still right. not doing anything right. who are you fooling boo because you're not fooling me because i can right. see right through all that you know yeah yeah and that's but the other thing too is that i think is so funny is people who are cooped up with like other people and then they're like you know like people when, when you couldn't get a haircut when people were freaking out about not being able to get a haircut it's like listen man if your partner ain't fucking you over a haircut it's not the haircut okay it's nah. something way bigger than that <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> they just said the haircut because you know um they didn't want to be honest right <laughs> and now i mean if you're if you're cooped up with someone or you're married to someone and they're getting on your fucking nerves now's the time to have that conversation 
because mm-hmm. this is the most you're ever going to hang out with somebody. So if you don't want to hang out with them forever, this is what that feels like. <laughs> right. Conversely, what do you have a take on like, so there, I've heard a lot of people get engaged in quarantine. Do you have a take on that? Do you think it's- uh, Sure. Pain? I mean, Stockholm syndrome is a real thing, you know? Yes, like, it if is. The other- <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> Yeah, I'm on board for that. I'm on board for that. Am I, I think there's two things. I think the same thing goes with if you hang out with somebody so much and you haven't gotten sick of them. Like if there's some, like they haven't, even if the way that they, if the way that they drink their fucking juice in the morning, if that slurp doesn't make you want to fucking kill a homicide suicide combo, then right. yeah, then you probably got some pretty good odds. After six months, you don't want to murder the person that you're cooped up with, right. spending this much time with them. That's right. probably a, a sure for sure deal, you know? Right. But yeah. also there's a lot of people who are lonely as fuck and then they hang out with somebody and it's, I think it's real easy to get codependent in a time like this too. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where, that's where that Stockholm syndrome joke comes, comes from. <laughs> I, as someone who's cynically alone in quarantine, uh, wants to believe it's the latter and that everyone will break up or d- divorce or call their engagement off uh, after it all ends. <laughs> Uh, I really why why do you want the relationships to fail (laughs) if no one's happy then I like if I don't get to be happy no one gets to be happy (laughs) that's my very in like problematic just from the gut (laughs) no I get it we all got a little bit of petty in there I'm just trying like it's the same thing you gotta try try Mm -hmm. try to not be yeah. Um, but oh my god isn't it fun isn't it fun to be petty <laughs> it's, well it's not not only is it fun but it's just like well i'm cooped up in my apartment and um you know i don't get to uh, connect with people like i used to so uh you know your mind just goes to dark places i suppose sure yeah, yeah. it's easy to that's why we gotta work on it you know yeah it sucks it sucks it's it's um it's so comforting to be lazy when you feel like you have a big ass excuse to be lazy. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the beginning of this, <clears throat> I was like, initially I was just telling everybody, I was like, you shouldn't feel any kind of pressure to do anything. Like right. you got to deal with the fact you got to be okay. You got to work on that being all right, navigating through this, not losing your fucking mind, not like mm-hmm. still trying to take care of all of your affairs. And then once that subsided, because the only thing I thought you, the only way I thought you were wasting your time in quarantine is telling people what they needed to be doing during quarantine. Like, right. that's the only, like, but shut up. Nobody needs to have written three novels. Nobody needs to have okay. done anything um, right. <clears throat> other than take care of themselves. But the longer we're here, then it's like, all right, you got to do something. You got to do something. <laughs> yeah, you still don't have to write three novels, but you do have no. to shower. You do have to shower. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Change your sheets. That's a big one. Make sure you change your sheets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe eat something besides just um, eggs and toast or just toast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Change it up. Add Probably some branch out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, hear, a, I hear good things about vegetables. You should maybe go to the <laughs> file, you know, or That's do been, it on a- uh, that's been my whole thing my approach about this is since there's so much uncertainty and like an uneasiness on what information is 
like factual or help, helpful and stuff like that, that mm -hmm. that's been my approach is like, I'm going to take care of me. So like I, I do, you know, I take immunity shots. I'm like, I'm eating a bunch of vegetables. I'm keeping my immune system up. Like I'm right. going to do all that and, and also take the precautionary measures that are being suggested as well. Right. But like if, if you get exposed to it, as long as you're, I think, healthy, then you have a better fucking chance, you know? You do have a better chance, as long as you don't have an underlying condition. Right, yeah. yeah. If you only got one lung, whoo, man, that's yeah. that's going to be a rough one. <laughs> it's going to be, yeah, that's putting it nicely, but a rough one. Um, yeah. yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's strange because it's like, you know, when you think of a viral outbreak, you think of like people getting infected and there's this like visual component to it where they look infected. Whereas people who are getting infected by COVID and having um, very bad symptoms or, or at risk for dying, um, they just are short of, you know, they're just coughing hoarsely and they, they look like they're short of breath. It's not anything well, like people, a, a, a bullet. Some people look way more fucked up. I mean, some of, sure. of them are get super skinny and like then, you know, because they don't have enough fucking oxygen in their blood and shit. Right. Like, and uh, some people got tubes coming out of them. All I mean, there's plenty of, uh, we don't have to get that dark. This is a comedy podcast, but <laughs> yes. there, uh, <laughs> there is a, there's plenty of bummer images if you need that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, if you haven't seen them already, um, you know, you can go look them up on your own. Um, does anyone even check the numbers anymore? I mean, I do, but uh, I hope everyone yeah. <laughs> just taking whatever yeah, they Jake, need to do. Yeah. A lot of people check them. <laughs> a lot of people, yes. Well, I feel like people were more obsessive about it and now they're not. They just like, like people were checking the, like. Uh, well, at some point. Mm -hmm. I think at some point, uh, like, you're only going to be capable of functioning at a certain level of f fear right until you start talking yourself down into this not being and i'm not saying not as severe but there you being able to function within these parameters you right. know right so which i think is better because i think people who are fearful mm -hmm. um they, that's where they, people get more erratic and mm -hmm. you know more brash and more unnecessarily like cunty Sure. Mm -hmm. And right, I just keep jumping to back to the magenta mustache. I really <laughs> want to know who that is. Apparently Carmen found- I don't, even, I don't even remember. I just have seen it happen. I don't know. I saw it, when I, was, I might've been high at like three o'clock in the morning. And then I was like, oh, that's somebody that's unhappy for sure. Right. Like let's yeah. work. <laughs> there's got to, I'm guessing there's just a corner of Instagram where it's like people who aren't <laughs> knowing quarantine well and it's all just colored facial hair. And what have you. Well, I'm glad you're doing well, you, you know, and uh, weathering this pandemic uh, quite nicely, it seems. Um, let's get through some news items and then I want to hear more about uh, what is the, What would you what is the actual like working uh, the title of your show? Social social D social distancing. How do you say it? Uh, it's just social D, but it's actually social distraction. That's what I'm providing. It's not about. Mm -hmm. It's like that because that's what we're, that's what I'm providing is right. it's a space where we can consume stand up comedy in right. uh, in a safe environment and also 
common like compliments that I get about my silly little show is mm-hmm. that um, people are like, oh, I like I felt like I was being social. Like I, <laughs> this didn't feel like a work phone call or, you know, a meeting, you know, right. like that's right. I actually felt like a fucking adult, you know, <laughs> yeah. which is. Uh, so, yeah, go on. I'm sorry. No, no, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So oh, yeah. it's just it's the, the, the distraction, but it's also it double entendre without the sexual nature. Uh, but I mean, you can't think a dick if you want to think about it. Right. You know? As we a lot of people are. are. Social I'll, dick around. Yeah. <laughs> that's I, honestly, I mean, that's what I thought you were being cheeky with when I first saw the first flyer for it. But uh, I'm glad you're doing well. Mm-hmm. And I do want to hear about more of that uh, later. Just some quick news items. Um, I think uh, we got three here. Um, first off, you know, I, I often don't um, like to think of like celebrities saying their opinion as a news story, but I guess this has gotten enough traction that it would be, it's a news, I mean, certainly it's been written up all over the place. Uh, after the Republican National Convention, uh, Jim Gaffigan went on uh, what they would call a tweet storm uh, and uh, used profanity, which people don't know him to do, um, is speaking out against uh, Trump. And um, that surprised, I guess, some people. But, you know, uh, yeah. just because he used the F word, um, he actually added a, like, earlier today, had a very long screed on uh, Facebook about uh, explaining himself, not that he needed to. I mean, if, unless you're, unless you are a Trump supporter, I, th- I want to believe that you get why we're living under a nightmare. Yeah. Um, and he was just making that a little more clear. And um, yeah, it's, I mean, last election, uh, celebrities speaking out against Trump uh, or speaking out to vote didn't work. Um, but that's not to say that they shouldn't say what they want to say. Uh, but what do you think of Gaffigan, I guess, breaking persona? Um, I think, if anything, that just shows you how this, how much the severity of the situation is to, to a lot of people. Like, that's been the other thing that I've noticed is how many, <laughs> how many white people, even with money, have to start screaming about this before people with less money whose best interest is not <laughs> at all like before they realize you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. um it was the same kind of thing when all of the protests were happening and um uh, what's his name seth rogan was just going off and cussing everybody out that was like trying to argue with him about black lives matters he was just like no fuck you like how many rich white people got to be like hey things are bad before people start believing that they're bad like i don't know (laughs) yeah um i (laughs) it it doesn't seem like there's a good number there's some people that just uh are refuse to engage with what reality is yeah even though, I mean, if you think about it, you know, that they're acting against their own self-interest. I mean, like, well, to throw my sister under the bus, she wouldn't listen to this. Um, (laughs) She is an immigrant. She is gay. She is a woman. Um, And she voted for that asshole. And it's like, do you not listen to any of his policies? None of these serve you. 
at all. Right. Well, same kind of thing. Like, I, like my, I have those conversations with my abuelo who also immigrated here and like, you know, but I, but it's, he's a Cuban immigrant. So he also is just deathly afraid of us having a Fidel Castro, which to be honest, this is way closer than right. any other option that we have. Okay. This is the okay. closest thing to a dictatorship that I have seen in my lifetime. Oh, uh, sure. And so it's also so that we have to have those conversations, but he's just so scared of something else that he is, uh, you know, and socially he's like way aggressive than that. Like he's not a lunatic, but it's just, it's all my, all my life. I've been arguing with him about uh, Mm -hmm. conservatism, you know? Right. What's it, what's his stance? Why does Um, he stand here on the, uh, is he uh, still backing Trump at this point? It's that like very, uh, now, I mean, I don't, I don't like, I haven't really talked to him much about it. Right. Um, cause he's not health wise, he's not doing really good. So it's not going to be like, it's hard to be a dick when someone's mm-hmm. sick, you know? Right. Um, <laughs> it's not COVID, but, I hope. <laughs> no, no, no. But it, it's respiratory, but it's not COVID. Like he's right. just, he's been a smoker his whole life. And, right. uh, yeah, one of those, but he, um, but I think it's just because, like, he is an example of, like, everything, like, a libertarian would nut over, pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, starting with a shitty job, getting a better job, being able to buy, a fit, like, a house for your family, the whole, the whole nine, like. Right. So he's one of those success stories, like, immigration success stories, and so he just thinks everybody should be able to do that, and it's like, okay, but it's not the same situation for everybody also you got blue eyes and you look white as fuck abuelo come on man like (laughs) there you go there you go yeah my so my sister's immigrant via being adopted so am i uh my mom immigrated uh from the philippines uh as a teenager they both voted for trump and it's weird that there's this sort of double standard of like you know we immigrated here legally although me and my sister we didn't have any two says about it we just got like adopted so that was enough to i didn't like have to like go through a 10-year process or like the refugee yeah you didn't have to hope like (laughs) no i didn't i just ended up here yeah um and it's it just it almost seems kind of cool to me to kind of turn the other eye oh like well we made it here and we're well you know because we're some of the good ones Mm -hmm. versus like I mean, we, everyone's coming here for the same reason, and it's not, you know, to paint but it. I think as that's like, declining too. I think yeah. less and less people are immigrating here, or, or like wanting to. Which, right. um, if that's what the goal was, uh, it's succeeding. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Because to make this a this less desirable the place, of the crop like we used to think. Yeah. <laughs> right. It, it, yeah, you, you uh, America is not uh, the place where you can just make your dreams come true if you work hard enough mm-hmm. anymore. No. no. <laughs> no. If yeah, if you, you're lucky, you can get Monsanto to bust you over here so you could work illegally till you get caught by by ICE, and then they send you back and the, right. only for the uh, the cycle to start over again. Yeah, or you could serve our country and put yourself in harm's way for a defense of other people's freedoms who uh, live in America and then also get deported by ICE. <laughs> you know, as as your ICE officer be like, you know, this is really fucked up, man. You shouldn't have to go through this, but this is just what the law says. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, bud. Thanks. Yeah. You know, you could just not out. do this. Yeah. You could just like... <laughs> 
That's what strikes me. I was watching uh, was Immigration Nation on Netflix, and there's so many uh, interviews with ICE officers. It's like, you know, you are a human being with agency. You could just not. Like, you recognize <laughs> that this is, like, very conflicted, and perhaps this is, like, I don't know, fucked up. Yeah. And maybe that the law that's are passed are faulty and not good or in service of the pursuit of humanity or freedom or liberty. And uh, yeah, just don't, just don't do it. You know, you could just not do it. Yeah, there's plenty of other work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> there's plenty there's pl- of other work. <laughs> there's plenty of other work. Yeah, that's a, what, <laughs> when, if the police get defunded or abolished, there's, there's going to be all these new jobs because we reimagined public safety and had to create all these other things to fill in the stuff that they yeah. were doing a very poor job with. I don't, I hope people realize that. Yeah, I think that's been, I think that's where the, um, the disconnect is, is, is when people hear defund it, they, they immediately think abolish. And those are two very different things. We're talking about reallocating like specifically for the LAPD, the $6 billion they get a year to maybe Mm -hmm. spread that around a little bit because this, we shouldn't be building, we already have a military. Why are we building a military locally? It's unnecessary. Um, so it's just like, if you take some of those and, and maybe undo a lot, what, uh, what Reagan did and like maybe open some fucking crazy houses for, you know, part of the hundred thousand homeless people that are in Los Mm -hmm. Angeles that need, um, mental care and, uh, need a different kind of, uh, situation than them living in Skid Row. Like if we, if we had some place where people can get help as opposed to just going into jail and then coming out and then going into jail and then coming out and, you know giving kids something to do as well like that's another study that's been done is when kids have shit to do when they got programs to do when they got games to play when they got they're less likely to get into trouble to start committing crimes like that shit has already been proven over and over again so it's like it's not crazy to think that we're just saying hey we have the money for this now we have me let's move the money where these these programs can work how many sports documentaries have to be made where somebody interviewed is like, man, basketball saved my life. Skateboarding <laughs> saved my life. Right. <laughs> where it's like, did you not hear them? <laughs> yeah, they were in a, they were either going to go to a gang or skateboard. So do more of that. Hmm. 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 Skate in an emptied out pool. Uh, join XYZ uh, gang. One or the other. Hmm. Yeah, 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 like- yeah. <laughs> let's give more money to community programs or let's have right here for more police let's just right yep and i also understand like uh, that a lot of the shit that some of these uh police departments acquire are is gifted to them by our department of defense like they right. get a lot of this shit for free but it's also like yeah that's a lot of metal that you could make a thing out of that's not a tank because right. we don't need a tank Right. <laughs> right. I know, motherfucker. I was at the protest. We didn't need a tank. It was unnecessary. Okay? Nope. These skinny-ass kids holding these flimsy-ass signs, there's no reason for you to have to have a fucking tank. Nope. <laughs> much less more than one tank. You don't <laughs> actually need any military vehicles at all, really. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> build a fucking playground. <laughs> yeah. Build, build a playground, and that will keep kids occupied will not have to go down the path that you want them to or uh, that they might end up going um 
anyways, that's how fucked up things are. And that's why people like Jim Gaffigan, who just wants to talk about uh, eating bacon and raising his five kids, has to say the F word. Um, that's you know what's also funny is like I I've, I've been listening to a lot of older like stand up and like watching old uh comedies and like that was the big platform for us then right. and it was for the left was like us having a free being able to say whatever the fuck we want like right. it used to be you were like it was used to be a super left thing to be anti PC and now like those things have like shifted you know right. which I think is bizarre okay. uh but I think yeah, it's I kind know. of I think it's kind of fractured. There are people that are like far left that are like for free speech, mm. and then there's like a certain sect of section of the left that is like, I mean, it's where it gets hairy, you know. Um, yeah. Facebook like allowing like straight up hate speech to happen. I mean, yeah. That's not really protected, and you know that's not what we're talking about. Right, but then there's also people who are just who are just writing white people, and they're getting banned. And so there's yeah. the other side of it too, where it's like there isn't anything hateful in this. They're talking about gun reform, and because they said white people, it was flagged, and now that's not supposed to like that's not meeting community standards and right. all of these. Like it's very it's very weird. It's just right. like it's very bizarre and interesting um, seeing this yeah. shift happen. It, it, I, I've thought about this. It'll be interesting to see, like, I mean, comedy is always at a reckoning of, with itself at all times, but I think outside quarantine, when there's a vaccine, um, after everything that's happened, um, I think whether you like it or not, you're going to have to re-examine your material and just assumptions that you've made based off of just your perspective and your perspective alone, sure. no matter where you come from. Because I was like, I was watching that drive-in show and it, it was weird to see like, just people ta ta like pasting on the times that we're living in like references and like what's going on to just outdated ideas or ways of thinking and like oh sure. we're still there we're still at the men versus women and that's just kind of black and white still yeah <laughs> yeah there's no nuance I mean, I, I don't, yeah. i've never really had to live in that area mm -hmm. i never really had to live in that area just because i've always kind of been a hybrid you mm -hmm. know what i mean like I, I, I got i got high testosterone like i've always been dipped a toe in both sides mm -hmm. of both things so i've made <laughs> both men and women mad with the shit that i think you know like what <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Right. laughs> is like uh but it's usually just me telling both of them to be better better you can't just yell at one side to be better and then you not look within mm -mm, that's not how that works no. like that's not, that's a, that's revenge. That's not equality. And I like equality because I like symmetry. That's my kind of OCD is I like things to be equal just because it looks better that way. You know what I mean? You like Wes Anderson a lot? Yeah, I like an MC Escher. You know what I'm saying? I, like, <laughs> I want an MC Escher kind of equality. Cool, 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 cool. Uh, older stuff that you're watching, is that like Paul Mooney? What are you talking? Mm. I went in a pretty fun... Um, Dick Gregory rabbit hole. Uh, him and, and, uh, and then I've just Paul been like, watching work. comedy movies. Oh, comedy Like movies. from like 19, 1980, probably from like 1984, 1985 to like 1999 or something like that. Right. Like uh, Big? Yeah, I did. Right. I watched, yeah, I watched Big. <laughs> I've watched Big like twice in the last six months. Yeah. 
it, it I mean, uh, interesting. I think I heard this in an interview that they just um, kind of glossed over the fact that nobody called the cops or issued a missing uh, mm -hmm. person report for the kid. Yeah. Or I think they, like, I think she does, I think she calls the cops, but they, like, never show up. And you never get a follow-up or anything. And the no. kid's gone for weeks. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah, the kid's gone, it was, like, what, six weeks? So, like, a month and a half, the kid's gone? Mm -hmm. And you yep. don't ever see no... I mean, if anything, it's a testament to how little they give a fuck about these missing-ass kids. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you want to talk about the news, we could talk about the fucking 39 kids they found in Georgia, too. Like, yep. what? Yep. <laughs> yeah. The extent of your ex investigation just dipping your head outside of your uh, the, the police office, <laughs> at the building, and just kind of, like, looking around and like, all right, I didn't see him. That's it. All right, I didn't see him. We went to the bus station. He wasn't there. I don't know. I don't know what else you want me to do, lady. Right. <laughs> God damn. <Yeah. laughs> That's a cold ass police department. That's a cold ass police department. Uh, all right. And that, was a, that they had as much disinterest as the LAPD had when my car got broken into and everything I had in there was stolen. They oh, were basically wow. like, ah, this happens all the time. We don't really give a shit. Here, sign this report. Like, I was like, <laughs> damn, okay. Fuck. <laughs> Y'all can at least pretend you give a fuck, you know? Absolutely. Act for me. I put it on a little bit, you know? I go on stage when I'm sad. I fucking jazz it up. You got no idea. Fucking play the part a little bit, buddy. Come on. That's, not what, that's not what they paid me for, huh? Um, how much longer are we going to characterize bad cops as NYPD sounding? It just sounds like <laughs> like a cop from Brooklyn. <laughs> like if if it's a lazy cop, they have to be from Brooklyn. Right. Um, no, <laughs> it doesn't matter. You could be in Tucson, Arizona, mm -hmm. <laughs> and he still is like, "What the fuck you doing, huh? I'm yep. a police officer." I know it's hot out here, but that doesn't mean I'm not gonna give you a ticket. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay, let's uh, move on through uh, here. Um, another news story. Um, Big Mouth uh, got into a little, uh, the Netflix series, animated series, got into a little bit of controversy uh, amidst this cultural uprising as uh, one of their uh, mixed race characters, Jenny, uh, I mean, Missy, was voiced by Jenny Slate, um, who is uh, Jewish. And uh, they had opted to have her replaced and now uh, officially she is being replaced by comedian Ayo Edebiri. Um, thoughts on that? Do you think that's like performative? Did do you, you think that's did you enough? Watch, did you huh? watch Big Mouth? Did you watch did the watch show? Yeah, I enjoyed uh, it. I did too. Did it make you feel a type of way when you were watching it? Um, I mean, be more specific about that. Did you, did you feel a type of way when you saw that character on screen? You knew it was Jenny Slate. Did you feel oh. a type of way? I actually didn't even know that it was Jenny Slate. I just thought it was that, I just saw it as the character Missy. I mean, I knew that the lead, the character who was named Nick was Nick and I knew Mulaney's voice. So I knew that that was Andrew. Mm -hmm. But everybody else who I couldn't like parse out their voice and like, I mean, this is coming from somebody who watches comedy all the time. Yeah. I just started to meld them as like, oh, that's who the character is. Like, I didn't think yeah. about, yeah. The other thing is, uh, I don't think that Nick Kroll is racist. 
personally um based on the fact like um he he hired black people too like Mm -hmm. that's who voices the other kid right like that's Mm -hmm. so i don't know like um i don't think i think it was just because jenny slate knows how to sound like a fucking nerd and that's what that character is she's a fucking weirdo pervy nerd like i don't think that there's any Mm -hmm. i mean um especially when it comes to voice over like like if you want somebody to play a character in a wheelchair and you want to hire somebody that's in a like i remember when that was like a thing that happened uh when what's it called breaking bad was happening about the kid um playing the kid that he didn't have cerebral palsy or whatever like uh like that was a thing then and it's like all right well so do you want to hire uh are you supposed to hire somebody with that ailment for that particular character i mean i don't i don't know like i don't know if that really makes a difference or not they should i mean they should get work like you should have cast like they should have at least gotten in the fucking casting room and if they didn't do a good job uh you know auditioning for that character you know um but i don't know like if if nick kroll was like i want you to play this character because i know you and i know you're going to do the voice this particular way or whatever i don't think that that also means that he's just being trying to be oppressive to biracial voice actors yeah i i don't know that it's coming out of a place of oppression or i mean i mean you know there's comments that can be made about like sort of as assumptions that lead into sort of systemic marginalization of people being included in the room uh whether it be voice acting acting i mean but i guess it's harder for people to see because when people say representation matters in media um you see uh like there's so much fucking media jake there's so much fucking media like Mm -hmm. does all of the media need to be the same like i don't under that that's the part that i don't understand is Mm -hmm. is like should i should i be mad that like the waynes brothers played white chicks like you know what i'm saying like no when they were the white chicks they should have been playing white women should have been playing those white chicks like right right like i don't know it was interesting. I had Naomi. Did I think it was funnier than Soul Man, like from back in the day? Absolutely. <laughs> sure. Sure. sure, sure. I had Naomi and Perrigan on a, a few weeks ago, and there was like a, a bunch. There was a, a whole reckoning of like Netflix, like taking off episodes of like or like voice actors being changed, and a bunch of different shows doing nitpicky things with their their shows that already were on their um, streaming service. And what she said was, "It's see, this is like ticky-tacky performative stuff. This is not what we're talking about in terms of racial equity in media. Because this is distraction from them actually having to do anything. Where's the right. money for, here's the thing. You want, you want black people to be happy? Pay them. Yeah. Pay them and give them motherfucking work. It's right. literally that it. And it doesn't have to be on your shitty ass show. Give them their own goddamn show. Give yeah. them their own goddamn fucking thing for them to, them, give them the creative fucking freedom that you give other people. That's right. what it is. It's give the Robin same C. shit when like, yeah, all this Robin is, C. all this big mouth is, is the fucking Aunt Jemima shit, dude. That's all this is. Where yeah. it's like, what you want to do, you want to change, instead of, instead of spending all that money changing the fucking one bitch, like the, I knew that she was a black bitch. I knew, I knew that when I was a kid. I know right. that was a black lady. And she like, and, and according to other black people, um, she was a symbol of fucking joy in the morning. That means you got right. fucking pancakes for breakfast, bro. That right. means you got pancakes for breakfast. That sounds amazing. You're right. going to change her instead, instead. So then you're going to change all, 
change all of your marketing. You're going to change all of your product. You're going to change all of your packaging. When all that money you could donate to motherfucking black people and to right. their causes, to BLM, to all of these other things, like right. give them, give them motherfucking uh, college funds. Right. You, li- you like black people so much. Don't fucking uproot your entire branding because you needed to do that anyways. And now you have a reason to justify you paying for it. No, 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 no. Give that money where it fucking, then, you know what I mean? Do something yeah. cooler than this. This is boring, bro. Yeah. Sorry. So, no, that's, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. God, all I, all I wanted to add is like, yeah, do, so like Robin Thede just got a big overall deal. Like, and so she actually get, has the platform now to, develop shows mm-hmm. and other uh, series or things for different platforms um, mm-hmm. at Warner Brothers TV Group. Um, you know, you look at Issa Rae, she's slowly but very surely building an empire with uh, Color Creative and she has her own record label and in- Insecure is a juggernaut at HBO, arguably the face of comedy at HBO currently in terms of scripted series. Yeah. Um, that is what needs to be happening more in terms of like and that's what i'm saying that's like the creative freedom it wasn't like insecure is also incredible because they she didn't get she didn't have to get put in to a stereotype box of like what a a, a, like a strong female black character has to be or her her attributes need to be you know what i mean it wasn't the the shitty casting director version of how everybody tells you to urban it up or to hispanic it up or whatever she just got to be a fucking person and that's the part like that's what makes you resonate with a character more (laughs) yeah she got to be as nuanced and as complex as she wanted it to be and which is yes. actually actually more relatable that like because that seems more human yeah because there, that's the difference between a character and a, a caricature right. you know like if somebody draws a portrait of you versus mm-hmm. when you go to the fair and they draw that goofy ass picture of you people right. are tired of the goofy ass picture it's just been here since the 80s like it's boring it's right. the same reason why three three camera television shows are less popular than single cams it's because we're right. tired of looking at that we're tired right. of seeing the same over and over again give oh, me something different give me something real yep and a whole generation of tv executives just need to step off or die off just naturally um mm-hmm. three camera multi-cam uh to, you know sitcoms to really change that's it because they keep ordering them every year and then they keep getting canceled and it's just like uh-huh. well, order more of them and then like we'll 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 plug in our favorite young comedy stars that you know the kids seem to like and it still doesn't work right well there are some exceptions too like i like i they're not all shit like i really liked uh mr iglesias which isn't it's not even for my demographic right. uh, it's for a significantly younger demographic but i think that it was cool that they gave you know a mexican-american his own fucking plan to be whatever he wanted and right. he got to fucking call the shots so i love that shit too and that like and it's cooler and it makes sense because it's like a show that's for a younger demographic and i'm into it yeah r.i.p christella um that show she dead she died oh no (laughs) i was like holy shit do you are you dropping this knowledge on me right now holy fuck no that would have been the lead story um Ooh, yeah, I would imagine. Jesus. No, her show got, I mean, so she she got her shot with her show, but she, you know, worked so hard and, like, I think had a decent following and decent performance with Christella, and then, um, you know, it didn't didn't continue. They canceled it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I remember hearing like rumors about it, but I don't have anything that's like factual, so I don't. Yeah. I definitely don't want to talk on about it, so because I don't know. Sure. I don't well, know yeah, I mean, the Hollywood likes keeping those doors a little close. I mean, there's, uh, you know, sometimes uh, things are canceled, and, and then you don't even get an official news announcement until weeks later, months later. Yeah, <laughs> you just find out like years later, like, wait, that shit got canceled for real? I don't know. I, I, there's been a, a number of times where friends of mine they've had shows on networks, and they're like, oh yeah, we're not coming back. But don't write about it. I'm like, okay. And then it's like five months later, I'll read it on deadline. I'm like, that's when we could officially hear about it. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Um, really quick here. Do you have um, any recommendations for comedy that you've heard, seen, read, whatever that's new? It doesn't even have to be new. It doesn't have anything that you've enjoyed recently. But if it's new comedy, mm-hmm. that would be preferable. Um, yeah, I liked, uh, Mark Norman's new special, uh, Out mm-hmm. to Lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, well, and then not to, just cause they do a podcast together, but Joe Liss was really good too. And I happened to be mm-hmm. in New York when he filmed it. Cause he filmed it right before all of this shit happened. Like I was in New York city mid-March <laughs> when he was filming it at the comedy cellar right. and, um, and he's just such a great performer and it was just, it's just been so fun. Um, yeah. I've been really excited because since I have my little online shows, I've been watching Funch's work out uh, an hour that he's about to do on uh, okay. on Twitch and YouTube, mm-hmm. and that's been super fun. Like I like that. I like getting to see it before it's done because I don't I don't know if you feel this way, um, and this might just be me, but I for the most part don't like a lot of specials because okay. there is a magic. There's like a magic that is lost in the way that it's filmed. That's why I loved, I love Sam J's new hour. Sam, right. Sam J's special was fucking incredible. And I think it's part of it was like, it was shot, mm-hmm. it was shot by not a comedy, uh, like, I, I think she got, she got somebody that was like in, that does makes music videos or something like right. that right. to shoot it. So it looks completely different. Like they try different things. Like if, even like um, the color scheme is a little different as well. Like right. it was, uh, but it, I mean, she's just so fucking brilliant. Yeah. I, she's one of those people I never get tired of watching. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so her special was incredible. I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, I would agree with you. I definitely. Um, and, and again, I like that it looked. But I do, that... I do always like watching people work it out more than I like seeing the end of it. Yeah, because there, there is this urgency because they haven't the, the joke, the bit, the story isn't finished yet, and there, there's still like a desire to like, like figure it out or uh, make it work to the best of its ability. When it's captured on a special, that's already been decided. And it's yeah. like, I just gotta, all right, I just, the set list is on the teleprompter. I just gotta sail on through. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, somebody who watches even a modicum of, amount of comedy, like you start to notice that there's this, this sheen that just feels not as exciting as when uh, somebody does a bit and they have this eureka moment that, like for the first time. Like, I, I don't know if I brought it up on the podcast, but Kurt Braunahler tells the story about how he proposed to his wife um, on a hot air balloon um, because he mistook a joke about her liking a hot air balloon when she actually really hates hot air balloons. So they went up on a hot air balloon together and she was terrified the whole time and he was doing the whole thing to propose. Um, so the first time I saw him do that, 
he was detailing the story and he was saying, well, so we're up there and I'm next to a balloon pilot, a balloon pilot, a balloon pilot. And he said it 13 times. <laughs> and it was so funny because he was so incredulous about like, what the fuck am I doing next to this balloon pilot trying to propose to my, uh, my girlfriend. And, um, yeah. It was so funny because he was so infuriated by that memory. And then uh, any anytime I've seen it after, or I think he did it on TV somewhere, it was maybe two or three times. Mm-hmm. It wasn't as exciting, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 13 is way funnier than three for sure. Like, oh, yeah. what did Judy Carter give him a note? Like, why, <laughs> why did he have to go to rule of threes? You know, that's yeah, unnecessary. Yeah, I know. The, the it's the absurd the absurd amount um I, you know who else is really good at that is pepitone eddie pepitone who ha- also had a special that came out right. during this that mm-hmm. was uh it's called for the masses that was really good really, really uh, good. he's another one he I, I don't he could yell at me for years and i would take my money take my money yeah. yell at me i don't care yeah because he never so, nails down his bits it's always new somehow even just like a yeah. little wrinkle yeah um, He's he's the perfect epitome of jazz as far as comedy goes, and yeah. I love it. I've seen him do a, that bit about hats maybe mm-hmm. fifteen times, yep. and none of them are exactly the same. Um, yeah, he's also masterful at doing a being able to do a bit fifteen times, and it's still feeling even if it is the same words. Like that was something that I always liked seeing at at the comedy store is watching him take that ball of yarn and batting it around right. like uh <laughs> yeah i think he's one of the few comedians that could like release bootlegs that are the same bit like i saw that shirt mm-hmm. so fresh bit for years and never got tired yep. of it and it was always different every time too you know it's like a different mm-hmm. like cur- like social issue that he has to bring up or a different percentage of literacy in a different country <laughs> like yeah and it was always great <laughs> Yeah. yeah, keeps it interesting. Keeps I it love interesting. that. I mean, that I I, uh, I practice the same thing. I practice the same um, methodology that you know you right. got to keep keep playing with it. So, so Mark Norman's, which is I, why I, that's that's my I think that's part of the reason is why I don't like the the specials versus people mm-hmm. working on the specials is mm-hmm. because when they're working on it, they still have they're having fun. Yep. And that's the fun. By the time they're doing the special, they've done it so many times, it's not fun anymore. Right. I like that fun because that's the part that I, mama needs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You ever watch David Borey's Conan set? David Borey's Conan set? You ever see it? Who's Conan set? Oh, David, David Borey. Yes. Oh, I love David. David's, David's great. great. But what's so wonderful about that is because there was a very genuine, unplanned moment at the beginning. The rest of the set feels so good. Um, David, all right, so for those who don't know, like when you're doing a TV set, you know, they uh, rehearsal, they'll put down marks, like the mark tape where you're supposed to stand. You come out on stage when they announce you and you stand right there. Mm-hmm. David missed his mark. And so he missed his mark. He overstepped <laughs> it and he like then stopped and this is all on camera he's like oh no it's ruined <laughs> and then he stepped <laughs> yeah yeah he stepped back and then did his set there but was that was so beautiful was like... and genuine <laughs> 
He was great. And that's what people really love. They really love yeah. those moments. It was There was another one. Cation did one on Conan where the mic pack fell yeah, down. Yeah, the mic. Yep. And she had to grab it and just shove it in her pants. <laughs> it was like, well, this is happening. Like, yeah. all of those moments are just so obviously mortifying for whoever they're going through. But uh, having to watch it is just so entertaining. <laughs> it really so, is. So good. So good. Yeah, I think, was it Carmel? I think Ian Carmel was doing or something like that and Funches was on panel and like Funches like it, like talked during his set or something <laughs> or like like the, which still rarely <laughs> happens uh but that I mean that's fun that's fun rather than just seeing somebody do their like overly polished set that has been pre-approved by so many people you know yeah yeah um so Mark Norman's hour, uh, Joe List's hour, which are both on YouTube, uh, Eddie Pepitone's hour, I believe you can watch on Amazon, um, or it's, it's streaming a lot of different places, but I don't know if it's on Amazon. Uh, for yeah, me, Sam Jay's is on Netflix. Sam Jay's three in the morning is on Netflix. It is very good. Um, and yeah, it does very much capture that feeling that we're talking about. Um, and I think Sam is particularly good about that. that there, she has a magnetism and just a, the way that she thinks and uh, writes her jokes, it feels very present. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I really, really love that. Not just, um, like, she's also just, like, she's masterful in, in a way of being uh, assertive and chill at the same time. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, she just has this way about her that's just it's uh it's incredibly captivating oh yeah uh she yeah can be uh make you uncomfortable but disarm you at the same time yeah yeah uh and that i mean that's just the the rare sort of uh energy that she brings to the stage uh i i don't know mm -hmm. that i've seen very many other people to be able to do that um yeah, I, I wish, sometimes I wish more of her voice was like clear on SNL because she writes on SNL. And so you ever like mm -hmm. see sketches and you're like, oh, this is who wrote this or this is who this person is. Oh yeah, this is Steven, this is Steven for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yes, him. it is very clear which sketches are written by Steven Castillo. Um, the goofy ones, uh, the super mm -hmm. Um, so I would recommend, uh, I just can't, this just started this week, um, in LA, one of the best indie shows in town, uh, when we got to do shows in person was Good Heroin every Saturday at Stories, hosted by Dave Ross and Matt Ingebretson. Um, Dave has decided to adapt the show into a podcast, uh, for the time being, um, that features bits, interviews, clips of stand-up, often sometimes from Good Heroin itself. Uh, for those who didn't get to attend. And uh, it's a little glimpse of, or I mean, audio glimpse, if you can even imagine that, of what that show was kind of like. And uh, it just started, and, you know, uh, you can look it, look it up on all your podcast platforms, but I would tell people to listen to that. Nice. Uh, you, ever get, you ever get to do Good Heroin, Carmen? Oh, yeah, I've done Good Heroin a few times. Yeah. Good Heroin was one of those shows where I liked to make the... Um, the gentrifiers uncomfortable in their yeah. neighborhood. <laughs> they were the greatest audience to fucking bust their balls because they're like, yeah, but they're also they have money, so they're also like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like they yeah. could take it. Yeah. Um. 
And it was yeah. like, if you were precious at all, then, uh, then you just got, it was much easier for me to make fun of you because right. you can't really shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can't be uh, that unaware of how gentrified you've made this neighborhood. Like I remember I used to live in LA, like in the mid nineties and Echo Park was saw as a place as uh, a place you do not go. Um, especially at night. Yeah. Yeah, and that now, park was like that. It should have been called Criminal Park, man. You just I, didn't go to the lake. You just, <laughs> just didn't go nope. to that part of town. Nope. And now, um, you know, you can very easily throw one rock. Uh, you can throw a rock from one uh, overpriced coffee shop to another. An Echo Park. Yeah. And yeah. at the park, you could get somebody to read your tarot cards. Yes. <laughs> or you used to have to worry about getting shanked, and now the only shank is like the Three of Swords or whatever mm -hmm. the fuck. <laughs> yep. Yep. And you can have your choice of tarot card readers if you don't like that one, a different types of decks. If you want an Akashic card reader, they got those two. Whatever. I mean, it, <laughs> it's just a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, bubble that place is now. Uh, but the show is cool. The show Good Heroin was always cool because everybody was cool. And, like, they had um, – it was a great place for all different kinds of comedy. Like, there was a lot of shows on the east side that were very – of their own like they were like sucking their own dick do you know what i mean sure. like it was only amalgamation of like almost like a character of itself where mm -hmm. it was like this is what we think here and we're only going to do these shows where we book the same people that all think the same things and good heroin um because it was booked by like real comics not like young babies who were just going oh i like these people i'll put them on right. um that were really curating a beautiful um beautiful lineups Right. You know, if people that had different shit to say, it was diverse in thought and diverse in people, which I like. Yeah. And I think, I, I want to say that they're booking, that there's almost, you know, such a dedication to the craft of comedy in their booking, whether it's booking from out-of-towners or different styles of comedy and what mm -hmm. have you, just comedy as a craft, that it, there would be nights where it ended up the only straight white guys on the show were Dave and Matt. Yeah. Like they didn't try for that. Like that just ended up happening. Cause yeah. they, Cause they booking... didn't just book the same nine people. You know, they yeah. didn't just book their buddies. They'd book their buddies, but their buddies, but their buddies would do the show once every nine to 10 months. You know? Like everybody <laughs> else. Not on the same show. <laughs> yeah. Outside of maybe 10 people, everybody else has to wait nine to 10 months. You know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, enough about that show. Let's talk about your show, Social D, Social Distraction. Um, you said you started it uh, as an experiment. You're cautious about Zoom. Um, I didn't have know. as much apprehension as a lot of people did. I was just mm -hmm. curious because I had just gotten off the road um, from What like month was this? March? March. I had just gotten off of like a two-month run maybe okay. or was it maybe a month and a half. Mm -hmm. I was gone for like four weeks. The last week I was working with Jackie Cation at um, the Comedy Attic in Bloomington, Indiana. Right. And so that was like right when that was like March 15th. And then I think I did a, a like a bar show in Indianapolis on the 17th. And then I came back. Mm -hmm. So it was like right when everything started to shut down and people started to freak. Mm -hmm. And um, and maybe like a week later. 
Maria was doing, Maria Bamford was doing a show on Zoom. She was like, I just want to work this out. So right. if any, it was like her way, cause she was doing one-on-ones. She right. would have somebody meet her at a coffee shop and she would do her hour at you right. and then buy you a coffee for listening to her hour. You know, the only comedian in history, I believe to ever do that. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and, and I don't know anybody that's following suit either. <laughs> no. no, 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 no. Um, <laughs> She's innovative in so many ways and brave in so many others. And um, so she she did it. And then so then Jackie tried it. And then she was like, do you want to do a guest set and see what it's like? And I was like, yeah, I'll try it. And then I did it. And it had been a week since I had been on stage. So I was uh, already Jones and I was already um, some people can just do this casually. I happen to be one of the ones that needs to do it in order to feel sane. And so. Um, I did it and I got just enough of that little bit of a high where I was like, okay, this, this is the methadone. This is what's going to hold me over until I can do my drugs again. So, um, how how many people were in that zoom show and like, were there mics on, were you playing to no laughs? What was going on? Um, that one, I mean, there was a lot of figuring it out. Like the, the shows Maria was doing at first, there was no laughs at all. Right. um and doing comedy in a void it, it hurts it's like doing that show there was like a show in atlanta mm-hmm. they were it was like seven minutes in purgatory yeah, and that's ian abramson's show yeah yeah that's right. right ian abramson where you had to do comedy in like sound canceling headphones and not get to hear the fucking laughs in a room cool. remotely and then a feed of you is being broadcast to an audience yeah yeah <laughs> Oh man, just the uncertainty of you not knowing whether you're bombing or not. Um, and then Jackie had had uh, some people unmuted, and um, and it was still weird and kind, you know, how to kind of adjust. But I mean, I had been, it hadn't, I hadn't been on stage, so I was talking so fast, the the laughs were irrelevant. I just had to say my stuff, you know. Yeah. Um, and then when I got like my little high from it, then yeah. I was like, oh, maybe I'll try it. I'll try and see if I can do it. And you know, I asked a couple buddies to help me with it because I knew they had a fan base and I wanted people to be at the show. And um, so I was like, I'll just gouge some of their people. Sure. And and then I've been doing that ever since. And now I've curated like a cute little audience that like really loves stand-up and really loves different kinds of stand-up. And that's like, I hate that. It's same going back to the character versus character is, uh, my tastes are well-rounded. I like all, all kinds of shit. I like yeah. East Side shit. I like club shit. I like weird mm-hmm. shit. I like absurd shit. I like dark shit. Right. I like the shit that makes people mad. I like all kinds of it because I'm a huge... I'm one of the comedians that actually likes stand-up comedy. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. That's It's so heartbreaking <laughs> to hear comedians, especially they're like years 15, 16 or whatever, and they're like, yeah, I don't, I don't like watching stand-up comedy. Come on now. Like, <laughs> what are you doing, dude? Well, and I get that sometimes, like, you don't want to watch stuff. Like, there's certain people I, I don't watch because, that I like, just because I don't want to ever mimic or, you know, I don't want, I also smoke a lot of weed. So I don't want, like, in five months, I'm saying something that they said five months ago, just because I thought of it when I was stoned. And I was like, oh, that'd be so funny. And then it's not, like, you know, I get not wanting to be too influenced by com- comedy as well. Right. But um, at the same, that's the other thing I've noticed is in this because of the pandemic, I have learned about myself that I don't, that I like stand up, and and that's that's what the show ended up being is, I missed the comedy of other people, not just being doing it myself. So 
then I would just ask people whose comedy I would want to see and that I missed. And I was like, please, because I want to see what you're working on. I want to, you know, it was like when Lori Kilmartin was going through all that stuff, in case the people listening don't know, she live tweeted her mom's COVID death. Like, and it was in, in it was insane and emotional and Jesus fucking Christ, ballsy and funny. Oh, yeah. It was fucking funny, yeah. dude. She so, had practice. She, <laughs> she live tweeted her dad dying, so. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. It's not her first time, but still. still uh, she still. still had that fresh COVID take, you know yep. what I mean? <laughs> Yo, yeah, Lori's, oh, it was, it was uh, I mean, that's what makes Lori really special with that sort of, um, how she, like frames and deals with really the darkest source material and really makes something really funny out of it. Yeah, it's what's, what I also love about her is it was also a big fuck you to too soon in a personal way without like, cause anytime anybody like tries to be like too soon or yeah. tries to defend it always sounds so douchey, you know? Yeah. No, I should be able to make fun of whatever. Okay, right. then make fun of your fucking mom dying as it's happening, motherfucker. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. never that. It's always something so separated. So she was, it was just the most, uh, yeah, I, the most ballsy and the most, like, yeah, here's here's what too, not too soon looks like. Right. It, and, it take, and it takes a bad bitch like Laurie Kilmartin to pull it off because that shit is difficult to yep. actually be, like, let me show you how, uh, how cool I am with it, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. Goddamn. Yeah, it's really a, a testament to comedy being like a coping mechanism to be how to process stuff or like at your darkest moments uh, in your life. Sometimes like all you all you can do is laugh if you can, you know, right, dude, that's why it's so easy to kill at a funeral is everybody just wants to laugh. They just want a moment where they can get that release. That's the distraction. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm doing is we're drowning in all of this negative information. I wanted to have a tiny little spot where we could, uh, it's okay for you to feel okay or for you to have fun or okay. for, cause you're going to go back to it. I'm not trying to act like the world around us isn't crumbling or, you know, it, I'm not trying to act like things aren't bad around us, but also in order for you to be able to cope through things, you need to have a fucking break. Yeah. You know, even the most ardent people who are protesting all the time will tell you that you need to have self care and you need to re-energize to get back out in the street. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Do you have yes. some, so a lot of people think of your, your uh, Zoom stand-up show as one of the more uh, sustainable, successful ones. Um, do you have... I think you mean best is the word you're looking for. It's one best? of the best yes, ones. Yes, it's one of the best. Even though I didn't make a variety list or whatever the fuck, the, <laughs> the, the general consensus from everybody that has come to my show or that has been on my show is like, this is the fucking best. I, I'm sorry that, you know, you didn't get around to lip syncing Trump as a woman. Uh, <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. It was just up for grabs and she did it. Even <laughs> even though people have been doing that since 2015. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you whatever, know. bro. I'll be an underdog what? until I'm rich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't give a fuck, dude. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, 
Is there, it, 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 was there a strategy or is there a, a structure to your show that you think like, oh, I need to do this for this to work on Zoom. Uh, this is how I make it work. Uh, like it's this long or we do this with the audience. Like what do you, what do, you do that you think contributes to the success of it being the best show? Um, I make it fun. Okay. Yeah. That's that's a thing. Crucial. Dude, but that's like a thing that a lot of times comedians forget about. Like, it's what makes a shitty host is, Mm -hmm. you know, you go up there when somebody goes up there and they're apathetic. I mean, you've seen it. You've been to shows at the Hollywood Improv in the Lab where people could care less about how Mm -hmm. the show goes and there's just no heart in it. And I, uh, and 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 I'm not saying this to make anybody else feel a way. It's just how I feel. Is I love comedy and i love making people laugh i love it and um it makes me feel good so uh that's what i ultimately wanted i wanted people to come to a place where in and you know i'm going up against especially because so many people are on zoom in general like people are sexting on zoom people are going to meetings on zoom their kids are going to school on zoom like it's a platform that people are also being bombarded in so i wanted it to make it feel like it wasn't a fucking meeting and that's how all of the other Zoom shows that I did kind of had that feeling. It was still like, I'm still staring at a screen. So uh, I just do, uh, I try to make it feel not like we play music together. I riff with everybody in the audience. You know what I mean? I'm basically the clown that you go to when you go to a play or something, when somebody's always in the audience, bullshitting with everybody, busting people's balls. I'm doing that. And then you know the show happens everybody that i book on that show gives a fuck about comedy there's nobody up there meandering about their day they have real jokes they have real thoughts they have real you know it's they're they're funny (laughs) that's the point of this is i want to make people laugh um and and then something organic happened i think it was um i think i had uh, jackie one of the times that, that jackie did my show uh, at the end of it, she went up last, and at the end of it, I just started asking her about a bit she was doing because her and I had talked about it earlier. And so then we just started talking about the bit um, after the show, but everybody was still there. And then it just turned into this kind of fun little, like, after-party thing where, you know, then we just – everybody would just start conversing. And so then now it becomes like a real show because now there's the social part of it. So, mm-hmm. um, so I think – and and I'm not saying that people can't pull this, do what I'm doing and do it well, but the reason my show is cool is because of me. It's because I make sure everybody's feeling like they're having a good time because that's what I want. I want that. That's what I'm pushing. I want you to have, even if it's for a, you know, an hour out of your week, I want you to come and have a goddamn good time, have a cocktail, smoke a little marijuana, get, you know, put the kids to bed and feel like a fucking adult again. Right. That's great. Also, you play music. So many Zoom stand-up shows do they, they it's forgot. It's creepy. It's so creepy just sitting yeah. there with a bunch of strangers, no yeah. sounds, just like and then it's like, "Can you hear me? Can you hear me?" Can you, mm-hmm. If anybody starts a set with, can you fucking hear me? I swear to God, I want to throw my laptop every fucking time. Right. You were there. You know if your computer works or not. Yeah. You, you, <laughs> I never start my show with that. If they can't hear me, we'll fix it as I'm talking. But we're fucking starting the show. I'm not asking questions. Right. This isn't a five paragraph essay. <laughs> I like even at even the worst open mic host. Like if if you're playing music in between comics, like and bring people up or bring people off stage, that helps so much. And people seem to have just forgotten. Yeah. That. And all these live, live, yeah, 
no matter what platform you're streaming on. I, it's so bizarre to me. Yeah. Well, yeah. It, 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 it's weird because, uh, yeah, I just, uh, that was my whole thing is I was like, this sucks, mm -hmm. but I'm going to make it suck the least amount it possibly can and try right. really hard to do that. And then if I figured if I couldn't do it, then I just stopped doing it. Yeah. But, you know? Yeah. And, but... um, you no, know, it's it, no. It sounds like you, as much as you can, point by point, have actually tried to translate. Like this is what we used to do at live shows, and this is how I can sort of approximate it on Zoom. Um, and obviously, you've done a good job because you got you have return audience, which it's hard to say for a lot of live stream shows. Um, I mean, some have pulled it off, but some, a lot haven't. A lot of people. They'll run for a month and they'll drop off or, you know, they'll do it just once and it doesn't pan out. But um, don't get me wrong. There's been plenty of times I've wanted to stop. Sure. <laughs> there's been plenty of times where I'm just like, man, fuck this. Like, I, uh -huh. this is oh, did you get somebody heckle in the chat? <laughs> no. You get of... But that's the thing is I'm also assertive. So it's like right. I get to I'm the bully. Right. I'm the bully. You come to my show. You try to bully. I will out alpha you. Yeah. And, uh, you know, oh, you will. people I, aren't used to. <laughs> I have full They're not used to having a broad with a mouth like this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Carmen will shut you down. I have full faith that that will happen. Um, I mean, if anything, that's sort of a sales pitch for people to watch Social D is to see if you do shut somebody down. Because it is, it's like a firework. When I have. Oh, yeah. Oh, and, you have? And, like, and, what, and what happened? Probably the... In the and probably the fourteen, I think I've done like fourteen of them now, or like mm -hmm. at least twelve of them. Right. I think maybe somebody has uh, tried to be funny once, and then there's been people who have like said something out loud and just didn't realize, like you know, the people that are trying to help, and and then they just don't. It because again, it's still a new concept. It's right. this is still a bizarre way to consume stand-up, you know? It, everybody's got a mic, you know, the whole nine. So it's just like, I I create a hierarchy of who talks and who doesn't from the very beginning, and I tell you, and I'm like, look, and I explain everything. That's the other thing too, is a lot of times uh, comedians, like, like for instance, the open mic host that you're talking about, like uh, whenever they've been hosting open mics for so long, if you host it for so long, they get lazy. And, mm -hmm. and I don't get lazy when it comes to that, because I want the show to be good. Right. I want the show to be good because I'm like I'm trying to create a space where I get to do what I want to do right. and I get to provide some laughs for some people that I know need it. Mm -hmm. um, and I have comedians and audience like neither one like n neither one of them is more important to me. And I think that's the other thing, too, is so many comics want to shit on the audience, call them sheep and everything. But we need those people. Yeah. We need those people. Yeah. Or you're just at an open mic, and then you have you have apathy watching mediocrity, and then they exchange positions, and yep. I, that's not something that I'm interested in. You know, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I'm also trying like the, the other thing that I don't think people realize is I'm also trying to maintain interest. Mm -hmm. There's so many people who love like since the boom in comedy over the last like seven years, there's so many people that like love comedy the same way like people you like love music and right. they're nerds about it and. They don't get a place. I mean, there's only so many podcasts you can listen to. There's no place where people are getting to hear jokes, you know? Right. Right. Um, the great so irony that's... of comedy podcasts is uh, the lack of jokes that are on <laughs> the entirety of the comedy podcast realm. 
Well, and that's always what's funny to me when people like criticize Zoom shows where it's like, you do a podcast on Zoom, motherfucker. Like, what are you? <laughs> All it is is that, but with more punchlines. Like, yeah. why are you against this? It makes no sense. Because it's not, <laughs> it's not me going to the club and like being on stage. And, you know, it's just, that's Listen, not... and I get that complaint. Yeah. I know that. Yeah. I know. <laughs> I miss it too. Yeah. But it just, it's, not something we can have right now you know yeah yeah, yeah. and that's yeah so. anyways um <laughs> do you so wait the, all the entire audience like they have their mics on is that what happens with you your show um i encourage it's usually about half of them like okay. so um on average i get about like 80 people a show and mm -hmm. uh and it fluctuates i think the lowest i've had is like 60 and the most was like 120 cool. um and paid audience by the way Huh? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody gets paid on my show, even the guest sets. Um, so then it, everybody gets to. I and I encourage everybody. I'm like, if you're in a loud place, please mute yourself. If you're not, then unmute yourself and laugh, because that's that's the point. Right. I'm exchanging this for you. I am begging people who are more successful than me in this industry that you want to see to do this, mm -hmm. so that you uh you provide those sweet sweet laughs that make us feel better and justify our existence. That's our exchange. Right. You get to be entertained. You have to laugh for us. Like it's a give and take. And I'm very honest about the, like I, it's not pandering. I'm honest about how it makes me feel. I'm honest mm -hmm. about why they're there. They have a job to do just like I do. You have a job when you're in an audience at a comedy show to right. enjoy and allow yourself the joy that I think you deserve, that I'm providing right. for you, you know? Right. Um, so there's uh there's probably like half the audience that unmutes and then and then and I have somebody that's like just like a bouncer if people you know if somebody's dog starts barking or you know somebody's like eating a snack or something and they just don't realize that they're making all kinds of noise I'll have somebody mute them and then if they feel uh, a type of way I'll just tell them well you're you're disrupting the show I had to so yeah. it's just that easy just like it doesn't mean you're a dick it doesn't mean I'm mad at you but. <laughs> I want to hear Maria Bamford's thoughts more than your snacks. <laughs> it's just that simple. <laughs> Man, the amount of shit people do on Zoom while watching stuff is crazy. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> it's like, like, I've seen people watch my show where they're like on a hike. I'm like, how are you? <laughs> what? <laughs> shouldn't you be watching where you're stepping? Yeah. <laughs> or watching for mountain lions? I don't know. Yeah. But... yeah. That that's what there was yeah, a dude a lot that of... came to my show. I, I don't know if he was like a bike messenger or something, but he mm -hmm. was like on a bike. Mm -hmm. He was on a bike watching the show, and I was like, "What is happening?" You know what's crazy, Karen. I saw somebody do that shit, and they were on the show. They tried to do their set, and they had their phone, <laughs> on their fucking bike. Well, that's not professional. Come no, on. and also it didn't work. Like they were out of breath by the time they got to a punchline. And they were also in New York, <laughs> so they were watching for traffic. I'm like, just either cancel the show or cancel whatever you got to go to. And just... Yeah. Also, just stand on the street corner and finish your fucking joke. You're, how long's your set? You're not doing an hour. No, the other thing too is like, there's such a disrespect, bro. Like, you don't, you can't even. <laughs> you're doing a seven to ten at the most. Nobody's watching long form stand up like this. Like, very few people, and you have to be really good. Yeah, for for people to oblige you. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, dude, take the fucking 10 minutes and do your set on the street corner or wherever the fuck you're at and then go back to riding your bike or, right. you know, door dashing or whatever you're doing. Yeah. 
Um, so you, how, I, what do you envision for the future of you doing the show in terms of like, I mean, it, you're, it's going well. Do you, I'm assuming you're going to continue to do it as long as the pandemic uh, persists, but as things open back up, would there be some sort of hybrid that you would do with like you know, combining an in-person audience or live stream or like, what do you, what are you uh, thinking down the line? Um, I think for this, like, cause there was, I think a, there was a month where a lot of the States did open up and there was like a little dip. And then I was like, all right, well, this is the end of it. And then, but there were still so many other people that came and, um, and that was the, that's the other thing that's fun about this is that I just can just be honest with them. Like, I don't know if I'm going to keep doing this. Um, there's not enough of you coming. Like if I'm not gonna, I'm not going to put in this kind of, I'll just do something else. I'll just like, <laughs> so then they'll help me push it, you know, and, wow. and try to keep the numbers up. But that's the other part of the, this little audience that I found is it's not just people who aren't going out because of the pandemic. It's people coming to these shows because they're in cities like fucking Arkansas or, you know, um, like someplace in British Columbia or fucking, where was another, I think it's somebody from, uh, I don't know. I don't know where. So it was somewhere in Europe. There's just several people, somebody in the Bahamas, just people who coming that just don't have access to this right. period. Right. So I wouldn't mind keeping that. If comics would still perform, right. I wouldn't mind keeping it going to where maybe I would just do it once a month, you right. know, or just minimize it. And then, or have, if I'm doing live shows with someone, you know, I go on the road with plenty of people, whoever I'm working with, if they don't mind, maybe they come to a few minutes, my little online thing after we do the shows, like right. on Thursday night, Thursday night's a great night to do new shit um, when you're on the road at a club or something. So then, but you're, you're done mm -hmm. by 9.30. You're done. There you so go. So then at 10 o'clock, maybe I do a, a social deal while I'm out on the road and then people online who don't get to see that, they get to see another comic. So. Right. Yeah. I think uh, that I, live streaming, whether people love it or not, is going to be part of the future of comedy. It's just going to stay around. And I think that might be a thing that works going forward depending on i mean there's going to be a long back and forth of things opening up things closing opening up closing until there's like a vaccine that everybody can get and works um but you know i think you've navigated it well enough where it, you'll you'll figure out something really interesting i think uh as it'll have to change whenever that has yeah i think it because that's been a lot of the people who have ended up coming were just like they saw me years ago in like Paducah, Kentucky or someplace mm -hmm. where I did a there's no comedy in Paducah, Kentucky <laughs> because right. that right. C room banner in that fucking hotel lobby doesn't exist anymore. So then there's like, oh shit, not only do they get to see me, but they get to see comics that they would never go to Paducah. Right. Um and that's worth money to them. And uh, and I have no problem fucking trying to provide that for them, you know? Yeah. So then they don't have to drive the four hours. Mm -hmm. They can just uh, watch it. And then the comic still gets paid all the, you know, all the money. Because I'm not, I'm not taking a profit. Right. Oh, that's very nice of you. Um, I, <laughs> Why just put I, the money? Yeah. There you go. There you go. Um, I, that is, that's about all that I had for the interview um, in this episode of the podcast. Cool. Uh, thank you so much uh, for joining me for this episode of the Comedy Very Good Report. 
Do you have anything you'd like to plug? Uh, where can people find you online? Uh, CarmenMorales.com for all of your Carmen Morales needs. Uh, follow me on all the assorted social media at the Funny Carmen. That's C A R M E N. I also have a podcast that's uh, that has just relaunched. It's called No Sir Pod. Um, I have a comic on, and we talk for about an hour about shit they don't like. Um, and I just um, there's six brand new episodes, including Doug Stanhope, uh, Freddie Lockhart, Ian Aber out of Atlanta. Um, I got a couple solo ones and, um, so I just dropped a bunch of those. So if people like podcasts and they're like funny ones, <laughs> Important um, to I'm trying to keep it, I'm trying to keep it funny, man. I'm just right. trying to entertain people. Uh, yeah. And you're doing so a great job. Sure, yeah, yeah. Just check that out. That's what I would love for them to check out. Great. Uh, yes. And we'll post all, uh, all of that on the show notes. Um, the Comedy Bureau can be found at thecomedybureau.com, uh, at the Comedy Bureau across platforms. Um, I'm Jake Kroger. Uh, I founded the Comedy Bureau. Uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Not the Supermarket, at on Twitter at uh, MFJ Kroger. Uh, this podcast comes out every Wednesday. I am trying to do office hours on Instagram Live. We'll see how that keeps going. Um, you, there are so many other great causes to support in these times. Uh, so support those. And if you have money and generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau um, at the Memo or Patreon or GoFundMe or what have you. Um, that's it for my plugs. Is there anything you'd like to say uh, before we sign off, Carmen? Um, just try, just, uh, yeah, that's uh, support, support com comedians. We need it right now. Um, and a lot of you are getting paid fucking unemployment and don't know what to do with that money. Uh, give some of it to us. And, um, and also uh, try and help. If there's any way that you can help in in tiny way, uh, try to do that. Like, for instance, they shut off like a lot of the f water fountains in downtown Los Angeles. So I am going down there and bringing people water. <laughs> like even any little thing that you can do to make things a little bit better uh, in yeah. any way, uh, please do that. Um, yeah. You know, Donate to musicians that you like. Support local artists that that uh, you know. Help them share their. Sh even if you just retweet a thing or share a thing, like all yeah. of that, it helps. Yeah, giving money directly to the things that you want to support or care for. I mean, that definitely helps. In fact, you can actually give money to people to bring water to people downtown. You don't even have to do it yourself. Um, there was don't have to. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I, I did that. I posted that online and then people donated. My, I was like, you don't even have to do it. I'm willing to go. I'm willing to take the risk for everybody. So don't worry about it. And, and cause I'm going to be safe about it. And, yeah. uh, so you give me money and then I'll go do the thing. So yeah. it's, uh, it's just be like, if anybody can be of service right now and you have, you have the mental faculties or whatever, I highly recommend that you right. do that. Cause that's what, that's, that's what we need. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I like to say that comedy is still happening. And as the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Grineo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.